Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, Case Studies, Real-World Examples of How Labs Can Use HGMD Professional to Mitigate Errors in Variant Interpretation. I'm Caitlin McCann-Jankovitz of Kaijin Digital Insights, and I'll be your moderator for today's event. Today's educational web seminar is presented by LabRoots and brought to you by Kaijin Digital Insights. To learn more, visit digitalinsights.kaijin.com. We encourage you to participate today by submitting any questions you may have during the presentation. To do so, simply type them into the Ask a Question box and click Send. We'll answer as many questions as we have time for at the end of the presentation. You may also submit any technical issues here as well if you have trouble seeing or hearing the presentation. I'd like to now welcome our speaker, Dr. Anna Krivokucha. Anna Krivokucha is a clinical laboratory geneticist with more than 10 years of experience in clinical genetics and cancer research. She has implemented innovative genomic technologies into routine molecular diagnostics in Serbia, and she's experienced in the interpretation of genomic data, variant annotation, and genetic counseling. Dr. Krivokucha is the founder and head of the Department for Genetic Counseling at the Institute for Oncology and Radiology of Serbia. She completed her PhD studies in genetics from the School of Biology, University of Belgrade, and her master's studies in bioethics from Clarkson University and Mount Sinai Hospital, Department of Bioethics in New York. Besides her everyday work in clinical laboratory genetics, she's been actively working on many research projects and mentoring master's and PhD students. Her research is focused mostly on genetics and molecular biomarkers in breast and ovarian cancers. She has published more than 40 scientific papers during her career and has been awarded numerous research grants and awards. One more thing before we begin, our legal disclaimer. Kyogen products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications and not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. For up-to-date licensing information and product-specific disclaimers, please see our website at www.kyogen.com. And with that, Dr. Krivokucha, I'd like to pass it to you to get us started. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I will be uh, talking about human gene mutation database professional version and how you can use this database uh, for uh, NGS data interpretation. So this is our agenda for today. First, I'll start off with the challenges we face in NGS data analysis, especially when we curate the evidence for variant interpretation by ourselves. Then I'll continue with introducing AGMD and showing a couple of examples on variant interpretation neurological diseases using this database. After this, I shall give you a real-life story about the consequences of variant misinterpretation. And at the end, I shall give you the overview on how to use AGMD to avoid knowledge blind spots in variant interpretation. Uh, the clinical interpretation of genetic testing results remains one of the most significant hurdles in effectively applying genomics in medicine. So we have to assign the clinical significance to every DNA that we detect by NGS. We have to gather data and compile evidence for each identified genetic variant. We have to draw information from various sources, uh, and these data sources uh, are uh, numerous, they are heterogeneous, they quickly evolve, and they are sometimes conflicting. The whole process is time-consuming and requires considerable expertise, and actually the accuracy of variant interpretation significantly relies on reference database. So if you misinterpret the, the information that you have, whether you proclaim it false positive or false negative, it can result in inappropriate medical interventions or missed opportunities for, for medical treatment. Uh, 
Adding more challenges to hereditary disease genetic testing, this graph shows that over the last 10 years, the annual publication of germline mutations linked to hereditary diseases has more than doubled. So we have many new recently identified genetic variants to deal with, and it, it is imperative to guarantee the precise determination of their clinical significance. This is the only way to ensure that patients and healthcare providers receive clear and actionable information. To mitigate the risks associated with variant interpretation, the professional genetics community has established guidelines for variant annotation. As all, you, all of you know, we still use ACMG and AMP guidelines to classify uh, our variants in one of these five classes. So in our reports, we include classes four and five, likely pathogenic and pathogenic, and class three variants of unknown significance that we reclassify regularly. Class one benign and class two likely benign we do not include in our clinical reports. So here you can see a list of evidence that we have to go through uh, to assign or decide not to assign to our data according to ACMG. And these guidelines uh, require a meticulous process of gathering these evidence and data. And uh, we have to draw information from various sources to address the clinical significance and to actually find information and to look for evidence. And despite these collective efforts, putting these guidelines into practice is difficult. And the numerous revisions have resulted in ongoing discrepancies in variance interpretation. And uh, sometimes the information that you look for um, can be conflicting and data interpretation for given variant can be really, really difficult. So this proves to be a formidable task, even for experienced variant scientists. So this is our pipeline that we use when we perform manual curation and variant interpretation. So we tend to organize our local database to keep it updated. So once you find the information and the variant that you already annotated, you don't have to go all over again. But if you find the new information, you have to go through various databases, uh, variation databases, local-specific, gene-specific databases. You have to perform literature search. You have to look or perform segregational studies. You have to look or perform functional studies, look for in silico data to assign pathogenic pathogenicity, and to put the information back to your local database. And this process is meticulous, it's time-consuming, and as you see, the accuracy of variant annotation and interpretation significantly relies on the type of database and the reference database that you use, and that contain information about your genetic variant. So you have to be careful when you choose uh, the database that, base that you draw information from, because not consulting the appropriate database could lead to misinterpretation. Uh, so today I decided to uh, showcase um, AGMD through a couple of examples of neurological disorders. So I decided to go with neurological disorders because they show considerable genetic heterogeneity and they have different variations in the same gene that may cause different phenotypes and the same phenotype that can be created by many different genes. And this, is, this makes them particularly difficult for variant interpretation, although the same principles that I show here today can be used for any complex, complex disease uh, that you screen and that you perform genetic testing for. Uh, so uh, next generation sequencing uh, is widely uh, used today in rare diseases and newer 
degenerative diseases disorders and many challenges were addressed with this new technology. Um, uh, so, no matter whether you uh, perform testing for neurological diseases or any complex disease, we still struggle to define whether to use gene panels or to use whole exome or whole genome sequencing. Um, whole genome sequencing is the most powerful method for identifying genetic variations, and there are many successful examples of uh, whole genome sequencing revealing new genes and improving molecular diagnostics in neurological diseases. For example, it could be used as a reliable ally to detect expanded repeats, which are common cause for some disorders such as Huntington's disease. However, the downside of whole genome sequencing is that it yields 4.5 to 5 million of variants per sample, most of which are of uncertain clinical significance. So even when likely benign and benign polymorphisms have been filtered out, more than 400,000 variants are left for clinical interpretation. On the other hand, uh, whole exome sequencing examines coding regions of more than 20,000 known human genes, and its current method of, method of choice for diagnosing rare diseases. It is particularly efficient in, the, in phenotypically variable conditions, and in the case when disease phenotypes are properly identified, molecular diagnosis established by whole exome sequencing can be as high as 94%. Regardless of whether the chosen genetic test encompasses only a couple of genes, so you perform gene panel testing or exome or whole genome, we have to process NGS data and we have to perform variant interpretation uh, for which we need strong software and manpower uh, um, if we want to use it right and do it right. So today I'm going to show you Human Gene Mutation Database, the latest release professional version. This database uh, combines electronic and human search procedures for data curation, and it provides high-quality data information. Data is collected every week, so you have updated information. AGMB has been regularly updated by a team of expert curators, and they have uh, the quarterly release cycle. So the latest version appeared in September 2023. And this database um, shows you additional information and extra features, literature reports, chromosomal coordinates, population frequency data, or functional prediction. So you'll see it in the examples that I'm going to show you. And the latest AGMD professional release is available with a total of more than 456,000 of mutation entries. And if we compare it to the previous version, uh, which was released in September 2023, we have more than 12,000 new entries, mutational entries, uh, uh, since September, since June. Uh, you can look uh, through the information and the statistics, so you can see uh, the number of mutations uh, sorted by mutation type. You can see the number of mutations sorted by their, their clinical significance or by um, uh, number of mutation entries, number of primary literature references, and additional literature references, so if you're interested in statistics of the database. Uh, so I'm going to show you how you can use AGMD to um, design gene panel uh, or to optimize mutational screening strategies. So I decided to go with the Alzheimer's disease, which is the most common type of neurodegenerative dementia. 
but the cause actually of this disease is poorly understood. Genetic factors may explain many of the elements, but uh, um, there are still many unknown uh, unknown parts um, uh, of the risk risk for this disease. So now we know that there is a two types of this disease early on to before 65 years of age and late onset after 65 years of age. And when we talk about early onset disease, there are a couple of genes that are related to this type of disease, such as APP, persenilin 1, persenilin 2. But pathogenic mutations in these three genes can only explain a small fraction of early onset disease cases and families. Late onset Alzheimer's disease is uh, the most common uh, disease, uh, neurodegenerative disease in the world. And interestingly, this type of disease is genetically more complex than early onset disease, showing other genetic sites associated with various types of dementia, so a great heterogeneity. And um, new uh, whole genome sequencing and whole exome sequencing uh, uh, initiatives showed many new uh, genes associated with the late onset disease and uh, also the genes that uh, uh, can be found in both types of disease such as SORL1 and ABCA7. So if you want to optimize a screening strategy or design gene panel, you can use a phenotype search in a GMD professional. So you can type the disease that uh, you want to look further into. So I typed in Alzheimer's disease and you can see and actually um, take a closer look into the uh, genes uh, that are uh, now known to be associated with this type of disease. Uh, of disease. So in GMD Professional 2023, the latest version, it shows that 941 mutations in more than 100 genes are associated with Alzheimer's disease, indicating the need for comprehensive genetic analysis. This is something that it's um, difficult to find uh, anywhere else in the literature uh, or on the internet um, because of the heterogeneity. And if you want to get a closer and a quick look into the uh, genetics of the disease, if you want to design a gene panel, you can easily look through a phenotype search in AGMD. Uh, this is something that I wanted to show you how quickly things evolve. So this is the screenshot from the AGMD professional version three years ago, 2021. Uh, so when you type um, uh, Alzheimer's disease um, now, uh, you can see nine, as I said previously, more than 940 mutations. But the information of number of genes three years ago uh, was that uh, it was 843 mutations that are associated with Alzheimer's disease. So we have more than 100 mutation entries for this particular disease uh, over the three years. And this information uh, is really important for performing population studies and choosing the gene panels for analysis. Besides, it can help in the optimization of mutational screening strategies. Uh, you can use AGMD to find up-to-date information on variants that are not available in other clinical databases. So sometimes you find yourself in difficult positions of not identifying and finding evidence uh, to assign to your variants. So AGMD offers in-depth information of variants and contain those that are not available in other clinical databases. 
Uh, I told you that SOR, uh, SORL1 gene uh, has been identified to associate with Alzheimer's disease through replicated genetic studies. Studies indicate its possible role in the progression of this disease, making this gene a potential target for Alzheimer's disease therapy. So if we miss the clinically important SORL1 variations, it might negatively impact patient care. And if you look at the down part of the screen, you see um, the screenshot from uh, AGMD. When you perform phenotypic search in, of Alzheimer's disease, you can see SORL1 um, as part of the genes that are associated with this type of disease. What else you can do? You can look for a particular gene in this database. So if you want to look further into the mutation spectra of SORL1 gene in Alzheimer's disease, you can perform a gene-specific search and look for a mutation that you are interested in. So if you look for SORL1 in AGMD through gene, mutation, through gene search, uh, you can see 187 reported variants in SORL1 that have potential clinical implications. All variants are sorted according to the variant type and variant class, so you can look further into the one that you, that you are interested in. So here you can see uh, the disease-associated SORL1, uh, SORL1 variants that are easy to find, so you can look through the missense or nostess mutations, or you can look through uh, slicing or small deletions uh, in this particular gene. For this particular example, I wanted to show you um, how to annotate or how to use AGMD to annotate variation uh, um, that is not available in other clinical databases. So for example, Let's see what's happening with SORL1 missense mutation 372C2A. Uh, DPSNP contains an entry for this particular variant but has no information on its clinical significance. There is no information on specific publications related to this variant in DPSNP either. This variant is not reported in ClinVar, so you have no idea how to annotate this variation, and when this situation happens in the clinical practice, clinicians find themselves facing different interpretations for detected variants. If the variant is misclassified as BUS instead of likely pathogenic, patients might be left without diagnosis and appropriate treatment. So not having up-to-date information might cause clinicians to miss the important information and implication of this variant to early onset Alzheimer's disease, particularly if the patient exhibits an uncommon clinical phenotype. So what should we do? We should look for this mutation in AGMD, and the easiest way to do it is to perform mutation search. So you just type in your mutation. You don't have to type in both nucleotide and protein change. You can use it uh, whatever you like, whatever it's easier for you. Here I typed in uh, nucleotide change and I mark AGVS nomenclature. And I see the list of genes where this particular mutation happen, happens. And I find SORL1 in this list and I want to look further into right now. 
So when I click on this particular mutation in SORL1 gene, uh, I see detailed information on the evidence used for classification of this variant. It's not reported in any other database, but it is reported in AGMD. It is reported as the disease associated for early onset of Alzheimer's disease. This classification has been backed up with the latest publications that investigate causative mutations and genetic risk factors in sporadic uh, early onset of Alzheimer's disease in patients before 51 years of age. So you see uh, the information and you can click on these links if you want to look further into the literature report. What else can you see? AGMD offers additional information such as, as you saw, literature reports. You can see chromosomal coordinates, population frequency data. You can see functional prediction. Here you can see amino acid comparison or, or uh, in silico information. So you don't have to look by yourself uh, for this information online. So AGMD curators also adopt the policy of continual content curation. So they comment and annotate new information to the users. So when new evidence suggests for example, a benign nature of the variant, it may be removed from the database. So you can look for additional information in case you want to review it by yourself. What else can you do? You can use AGMD to enhance the understanding of different variants associated with neurological disorders. So this, the previous example was about the variant that you are not able to find anywhere else. But uh, there are mutations in known genes that you can actually find, but you have conflicting information. Uh, I mentioned presenalin 1 gene that is found to be a common cause of familial Alzheimer's Alzheimer disease. And variants in this gene could be difficult to interpret due to the conflicting or incomplete information in available databases. So previously we couldn't find information, but now we can find information, but it can be conflicting. Even in the cases of variants in the case that variant is, is in known disease-associated genes such as presenalin 1, variant classification in neurological disorder may be complicated. So I'm going to show you how to classify a missense mutation in presenalin 1 when you have conflicting information online. So this is C356C2A, missense mutation in presenalin 1. And it is classified as like, likely pathogenic in ClinVar with the latest update in April, no, in February 2022. So we have three, uh, three, um, let's say, uploads for, for uh, annotation. Uh, but the latest one from February 2022, it doesn't have any additional information. So you're not a, able to uh, look into this latest annotation. So uh, this is not something that I want to see. So I want to use AGMD to see what AGMD has to offer on this particular mutation. So when I use gene or mutation search, whatever you prefer, you can find this particular mutation and AGMD actually offers newly discovered data that go in favor of its pathogenicity. So we need novel data that may help to enhance our understanding of different variations associated with dementia in the study population. And as you can see, there is six publications, latest one from 2023 that I wanted to uh, see further. 
And I actually uh, read this article and um, it showed with, uh, with uh, uh, relevant information and evidence that this particular mutation is related to early onset um, dementia and that is relevant for diagnosis. So this mutation is classified as a disease associated with GMT and it's backed up with the newest information and newest data and evidence. You can also see additional information on this particular mutation and detailed information that uh, AGMD curators used for classifying this variant as disease associated. So we had the uh, missing information, we had conflicting information, and AGMD proved to help and to be helpful in both cases. Next, I wanted to show you some examples of variant interpretation in Parkinson's disease that affects millions of people and is the second most common neurodegenerative disorder. Several genes, uh, including ATP13A2, have been involved in uh, PD pathogenesis and have been traditionally investigated in this disease. Findings have shown that only about 5 to 10% of PD patients have uniform form of disease, and GS can be used again, to discover genes associated with the, these different forms of, of disease. Uh, again, from 2021, this when I uh, performed phenotype search back then for Parkinson's disease, I saw uh, 818 mutation entries. But when I performed it again, uh, a couple of weeks ago, in this latest version, I saw more than uh, almost 2,000 mutations. So uh, look at the, at the difference in only three years, how many new mutation entries that we have for Parkinson's disease. And the thing is that most of the known PD mutations are found through the research conducted in European, North American, North African, Arab, or Asian populations. Limited studies exist on the genetics of PD in black African populations, even though African populations have more private alleles than any other population. So NGS is the perfect approach to identify these new genetic variations and disease-associated mutations in such populations. However, these new variations are difficult to classify, especially since most of the databases contain neither entries nor evidence to help us elucidate their clinical importance. So here is the example about ATP13A2, the gene I mentioned before associated with Parkinson's disease. Again, missing mutation in this gene, A to C. Uh, so this is a missing variant. Um, it was one of the rare variants detected in the study of Parkinson's disease in black South African and Nigerian patients. So it was found in a 39-year-old patient from South Africa. None of the currently available databases contain information on this particular variant, except AGMD. So if you look uh, for this mutation in AGMD, you can see that this variation is classified as likely pathogenic, and you can see novel information and uh, link to the publication that is um, actually uncovering its role in, in uh, black South African, African and Nigerian patients. So you can use AGMD for this as well. Okay, so uh, again, uh, the classification conundrum. 
sometimes you have difficult information, conflicting information, and you are not sure which type of evidence to assign to your variant. So here is the example. Mutation in SPG gene uh, is the most common mutation. This one, missense mutation C2C, 1529C2C. Uh, so, uh, it's the most common mutation causing adult-onset neurogenetic disease in patients of British ancestry. The thing is, it was first described as a polymorphism in 1998. This was based on its frequency. So, this particular variant was uh, really frequent in two separate surveys of controls uh, in the United Kingdom. However, subsequently, it has been found to co-segregate co with this disease in a number of different populations. And now, when you look for literature data on the significance of this particular variant, these are conflicting. And for example, uh, in, this, in this screenshot, you can see that the classification range from VUS to pathogenic. So this might be difficult annotation. So what should we do? We should look for this mutation in AGMD pro version, and you can see that the classification, the AGMD classifies this variant as disease associated, backing up the classification with more than 60 up to date scientific publications. So you have 60 publications that you look for, and then you can additionally. Um, uh, review by yourself and see uh, and assign evidence. So there is a range of information that you can find on your particular variant in AGMD professional. Again, additional information if you want to look further into. Uh, here, I wanted to show you um, how you can use AGMD to identify susceptibility loci for a multiple sclerosis panel. So uh, GVAS studies have revealed over 230 MS risk alleles across the human genome, so revealing its complex genetic structure. But the challenges remain regarding the translation of these findings into uh, clinically uh, actionable information. And uh, it has been shown uh, that 2% uh, of MS heritability resides in the newly investigated genomic regions. So AGMD offers you an advanced feature for chromosome search and easy access to potential susceptibility loci. So you can uh, search for susceptibility loci and genes through advanced option in AGMD professional version chromosome search. So this is something that you can do if you have complex disease such as multiple sclerosis. Uh, so these were the examples on how you can use AGMD if you have particular variants in front of yourself to annotate. Now I wanted to show you a real-life story of how AGMD can help prevent misdiagnosis with an example of variant misclassification causing inappropriate and devastating medical intervention. So this is a story about Alicia Cookmore. Some of you uh, may already know this story. So Alicia is a wife and a mother of five, living and working in southern Oregon. 
uh, and she underwent a series of unnecessary surgeries that included a double mastectomy and hysterectomy, among others. These surgeries were based on misinterpreted genetic test results, causing her to experience early menopause, multiple follow-up surgeries, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, so this was her story, and her story started in August 2015, when she went for her annual evaluation with, with her gynecologist. And due to her family history of breast cancer, with both her mother and grandmother having been diagnosed with the disease, uh, her physician recommended her a series of tests, including genetic testing for hereditary cancer as well as mammogram. Uh, her clinical testing results, other than genetics, were okay. They came back normal. And genetic testing was performed in December 2015. After reviewing the results of Alicia's genetic tests, a nurse practitioner mistakenly informed her that she had Lynch syndrome due to an inherited MLH1 pathogenic mutation. Lynch syndrome is a serious genetic disorder that is associated with an increased risk of developing multiple cancers, including colorectal and endometrial and ovarian cancers. She was also informed that she had a mutation in BRCA1 gene, which is linked to a hereditary uh, breast and ovarian cancer risk. And um, she was informed that she was actually a Lynch syndrome patient and that she also have high risk, has high risk for breast and ovarian cancers. and. Uh, uh, total hysterectomy was performed in August 2016 and double mastectomy was performed in December 2016. I just want to point out again, she was a healthy woman, so these were all prophylactic surgeries. Her physicians even wrote a letter to her children urging them to get tested for the detected mutations due to the apparent hereditary cancer diagnosis. In 2017, following her surgeries, Alicia sought another doctor's opinion regarding breast reconstruction as she was dissatisfied with the outcome of her mastectomy. And uh, he reviewed her case file and her new physician informed her that her genetic test results were negative and that all the surgeries she underwent were likely unnecessary. Uh, Alicia then chose to file a lawsuit against Curry Medical Center and several healthcare professionals involved in her treatment. And after everything she went through, she was diagnosed with PTSD, describing the physical and emotional pain as some of the worst she has ever experienced in her life. Along with unnecessary medical procedures, her replacement implant surgery required at least 10 additional corrective surgeries to manage complications. Furthermore, the knowledge of uh, misinterpreted hereditary mutation placed a serious psychological burden on her whole family, particularly her five children. And she was actually a carrier of two variants of unknown clinical significance in BRCA1 and MLH1. And as I told you before, we all know that variants are of unknown clinical significance are not clinically actionable. And more than 80% of VUS are downgraded, actually. Only about 7% are upgraded to likely pathogenic and pathogenic variations. So they have, they, 
many in the U.S. undergo uh, reclassifications over time, from months to years after initial classification, as more information is known. But when you find the U.S., uh, it, it is the variation that is not clinically actionable, and it should be reclassified regularly, uh, and it has been shown that they're often down, downgraded. So, uh, misinterpretation caused huge consequences for this woman. Uh, and the thing is, uh, simple search in AGMD uh, would help avoiding this. So if you look to, through AGMD in, in your gene search, you can look for BRCA1 mutations, and you can see the list of 4,470 uh, disease-associated and uh, likely disease-associated mutations reported for BRCA1. And if you have particular mutation in front of you, as nurse pr practitioner did, uh, she, you, you can just type in mutation search, find mutation in G AGMD, and see whether it's clinically significant or not. If it's not in the database, it's not clinically significant, as this database actually focuses on disease-associated mutations uh, rather than benign polymorphisms. And this is the example uh, of gene search, gene search for MLH1. So there is more than 1,600 uh, disease-associated and likely disease-associated mutations reported for MLH1. So the outcome could have been different uh, if Alicia's genetic test results had been correctly interpreted, which is only a click away in AGMD Pro. Unfortunately, even almost a decade later, this was in 2017, almost a decade later, I personally still see misinterpreted genetic testing results in my everyday practice. This is something that we should all fight against, and AGMD is simple, easy, and reliable way to avoid misinterpretation and serious medical consequences in the future. And uh, as a sort of conclusion, I'm going to list the, uh, how you can use AGMD to avoid these knowledge blind spots and variance interpretation. So you can use AGMD a professional to annotate your variance that you have in front of you. So it's fast and easy annotation of genetic variations related to human inherited diseases. It's easy. You can use gene mutation or phenotype search. It's user-friendly. You have evidence for variant annotation. They are clearly presented. You have links to, to publications. You can further expect, uh, inspect it, them if you want. Uh, you, we all know that our time is essential when you perform genetic testing and um, uh, in AGMD Pro, it takes only a couple of minutes to get to the information. You have mutation gene and phenotype search, as I said, and evidence available for, for review. So it's fast and it's easy. Uh, the most important thing, if you ask me, is uh, that it's reliable. So it's expert curated and up-to-date content. You have quarterly updates, you have new information uh, weekly and you have additional literature references. So as you saw in the examples, there are information from 2023 and publications that you can look further into. Uh, so when you find yourself with difficult annotations, you can use AGMD uh, as an aid to uh, interpret your variations because it contains information that are not available in other databases. 
and it has only clinically relevant information. So if you want to look for benign polymorphisms, do not look in AGMB-PRO. Uh, if you want to look into disease-associated, disease-causing mutations, uh, AGMD uh, is the database for you. And you can use it as I like to use it for a VUS reclassification because uh, it has up-to-date content. So if I want to reclassify and look for new information, I use a GMB uh, for that. You have new evidence and you have quarterly updates. So if you remember um, one of my slides from the beginning, uh, this is the pipeline uh, that we use for variance interpretation. So it has a lot of steps, but if you have a reliable database such as AGMD Pro, you can actually collate all these steps into one. So if you have comprehensive, diverse, expertly curated, reliable, regularly updated and easy to use database such as AGMD Professional, you can actually skip from local database directly to the information about the pathogenicity of your variant. So it's really useful uh, for anyone who perform uh, sequencing and interpretation of uh, genetic testing data. And with this, I would like to thank you for your attention, and uh, I hope that this was useful, and uh, I, um, I want to thank you for taking your time to listen to this webinar. Thank you, Dr. Krivokucha, for your informative presentation. We will now start the live Q&A portion of the webinar. To the audience, if you have a question you'd like to ask, please do so now. Just click on the Ask a Question box located in the far left of your screen. We'll answer as many questions as we have time for. All right, let's get started. Our first question is, why do we need a database when we already have software for variant annotation? Uh, thank you for the question. That is uh, something I do get a lot and something that I uh, use throughout myself all the time. And when we started using software for variant interpretation, I was wondering as well whether I ever need a database. So I have a software and I have everything, but that's not actually true because databases and software serve different purposes in the con uh, context of clinical genetics. And I believe they're equally important and they both play crucial roles in managing genetic variants. But the thing is that they address different aspects and different parts of the analysis process. So I believe the databases are and will be essential even when we have software for variant annotation. Um, and this is for a couple of reasons. First of all, curated databases such as AGMD, they um, uh, aggregate information on known variants. So they include their clinical significance, disease associations, population frequencies, and many more uh, uh, details about variants. So these databases actually provide a centralized, like sort of library of information that we always reference during variant interpretation. So the databases are actually the primary source of, of information that we all look for when we perform variant interpretation. And they follow uh, these standardized procedure, uh, procedures and curation processes and guidelines. So uh, they have to be sure about consistency and accuracy, which is actually crucial in clinical genetics. On the other hand, uh, software uh, provides 
computational predictions, and they actually use the information from databases, uh, which contains the clinical re relevance of the variants. So overall, to make long story short, databases and software for variant annotation are actually complementary tools in clinical genetics and in genomic research as well. And uh, databases provide a source of curated information, while annotation software, they offer uh, computational predictions. And the thing is that we should actually, if we are able, uh, we should include both in our pipelines uh, in, uh, pro in the process of variant interpretation, since, since by using both, we will enhance the accuracy and completeness of variant interpretation. So they are not the same, they are different, but they are part of the same process of, of uh, variant interpretation. So we will always need a database. All right, thank you. Okay, next question. What is the difference between the public version of HGMD relative to the professional one? Um, as far as I know, I think that hasn't changed. Uh, uh, there have been a, two versions of database available and offered. Uh, the first one is uh, HGMD free, publicly available database that anyone can use. And AGMD Professional, which is a standalone web application that is available under the Kaizen license. And I have to admit that I used AGMD Public version before I tried AGMD Professional, but I wouldn't recommend it for the people who work in the clinical lab because AGMD Professional is the version of the database that is most appropriate because it's updated and curated regularly. And it is three years ahead of the public version in terms of the content. So it is important for users to understand that the mutation data in AGMD Professional is freely available in the public version, but three years after they're published, after their initial inclusion. So if your lab performs uh, clinical genetic diagnostics and genetic testing uh, for clinical purposes, um, I would recommend using AGMD Professional because you will get uh, data that is updated, uh, which is actually the most important right now in clinical genetics. All right. Um, our next question is, is HGMD useful for exome sequencing? Uh, uh, well, yes, I believe so. I believe AGMD uh, as a curated and reliable database is uh, important for any type of sequencing for anyone who performs variant interpretation. And um, it actually depends on the specific goals and the context of the analysis that you perform in your lab. Uh, it can be valuable in clinical diagnostics, especially when we try to identify known pathogenic mutations associated with specific diseases. So it is going to provide information on disease-causing mutations, which can aid in interpretation of variants identified in exome sequencing. So uh, if you perform exome sequencing, AGMD can be useful as an ally, uh, particularly in the context of clinical diagnostics and research, but focused on known disease-associated mutations. All right, and here's the next question. Can we use HGMD for VUS reclassification? Absolutely, as I said in my talk, I use HGMD for VUS reclassification all the time. It's fast, it's easy, it's reliable. And the thing is, 
if you, you do not find your variant in AGMB, uh, it's most probably it is probably still the US uh, because AGMB uh, contains uh, disease causing and disease associated mutations. They do not include the US uh, in uh, their database. And we all know that the US reclassification may take a lot of our valuable time uh, and clinician time as well. And uh, unlike the other sources that include particularly all submitted variants and the US and benign polymorphisms and so on, sometimes it takes time to go through all of these. Um, unlike these sources, AGMB actually reclassifies the US when, it, uh, when enough evidence is available. And compared to other sources, the decision of whether to include the variant into the AGMB database is on expert curators. So it's not an arbitrary one. And these variants are specifically marked in AGMB to indicate that some degree of uncertainty still exists if uh, the issues have not been resolved yet. So yes, I do it and I use it for US classification. And I think it's fast, it's easy, and it's reliable, which is most important. Perfect. Thank you. Um, on to our next question. Does HGMD provide information about polymorphisms in genes? Yes. So to continue on my previous answer and the previous question, uh, to the best of my knowledge, HGMD primarily catalogs disease-causing mutations, pathogenic and likely pathogenic variations. Uh, it may include some information about polymorphisms, especially those that have been in, in a way associated with a disease or have functional significance, and they mark them as functional polymorphisms. However, its main emphasis is on uh, pathogenic mutations rather than benign polymorphisms or BUS. Uh, so uh, if you are looking for polymorphisms or BUS, do not look it in, do, do not look for them in AGMP. If you look for disease-associated mutations, pathogenic and likely pathogenic variants, use AGMP. All right, and on to another. Why are there articles for a specific variant that have not been captured in HGMD, but can be found using other search tools such as Google Scholar, PubMed, et cetera? Uh, well, I can, uh, I, uh, can think of a couple of reasons for that. First of all, uh, there can be a time lag uh, between the publication of variant-related article and its inclusion in the database. AGMD is curated regularly, but there always can be a time lag between uh, the variant is curated and checked by expert curators from AGMD and the time that it has been published. If a variant has been reported, reported recently, it might not yet be curated and incorporated in AGMD. So there can only be a time lag. Um, and which can be reason for this. Also, uh, since uh, AGMD includes uh, curated information and curated variants, um, sometimes it might happen that uh, um, these variants are not prioritized by AGMD curators. So you might find them somewhere else, but curators decided that they are actually have limited clinical significance or no clinical significance, uh, and uh, they may not be prioritized for inclusion in AGMD. This is the second reason. The third reason might be uh, quality control and validation. Uh, uh, maybe for some reason, again, uh, there are uncertainties or discrepancies in the reported uh, variant data and information, and it might delay or prevent its inclusion in the database. 
and of course PubMed, Google Scholar, and other others. Um, they search broad range of scientific literature and they may capture a wide array of articles. So including those reporting variants that do not fit specific criteria for inclusion in AGMD. And these are all reasons that sometimes you may find information on variants outside of the database. But again, uh, these are variants that are most probably not related to uh, specific disease phenotypes and not clinically relevant. All right, and it looks like we have time for just one more question, so here it is. Does HGMD provide the information or evidence of its variant classification? Uh, yes, as you saw uh, uh, during my talk and on the screenshots, HGMD uh, provides information and evidence for classification of variants within its database, and uh, the classification uh, in AGMD typically include uh, DM uh, mutations, which are disease-causing disease mutations, which are actually pathogenic mutations, DM question mark, which are um, uh, actually likely pathogenic mutations, and sometimes you can find information about functional polymorphisms and uh, um, those polymorphisms that uh, might have some sort of clinical significance. Uh, so they are references, as you saw, uh, and uh, there are literature sources, so you can click on them. It will lead you directly to the publication, to the source, uh, and uh, uh, you can uh, access original articles for detailed evidence. And um, this information in AGMD is based on a comprehensive review of the scientific literature related to human gene mutations, so you don't have to worry. Uh, all information that you see, uh, you can actually check it for yourself and decide whether you agree or not. So it's all there and it's really easy to find and user-friendly, just click away. All right, and this will conclude our session today. Thank you again, Dr. Kripokucha, for your time today and your important work. We would also like to thank LabRoots and our sponsor, Kaijin Digital Insights, for underwriting today's educational webcast. Before we go, I'd like to thank the audience for joining us today and for their interesting questions. Questions we did not have time for today and those submitted during the on-demand period will be addressed by the speaker via the contact information you provided at the time of registration. This webcast can be viewed on demand. LabRoots will alert you via email when it's available for replay. We encourage you to share that email with your colleagues who may have missed today's live event. Until next time, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you.